0: Chapter 7, if you'll open your Bibles, and I haven't preached with a handheld for a while, so if I get real loud or if I do silly stuff, just bear with me. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, and all of the scriptures that I'm using tonight are in the the, um, Passion Translation. The power of your words, part three. Say this, not that. And tonight we're talking about judgment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Refuse, refuse to be a critic. (laughs) Isn't that good? I mean, I just got started. (laughs) Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others. And you will not be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own. How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical. Excuse me. You're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots. And then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. Amen. God bless you. You can go home. (laughs) That's good stuff right there. And I think it's so good, you know, I've been preaching out of the New King James um, since, wow, wow. I, I, I mean, I'm getting old, y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll keep saying it. <laughs> a long time. I've been preaching out of the New King James for a long time, and I have felt over the last several months that I needed to start bringing the Passion Translation as much as possible so that we hear things a little bit differently than we've been hearing them for so long so that it can capture and take hold in us in a little bit different way. And Matthew 7, 1 through 5, woo, that was good. All right, definition of judging. To express a bad opinion of someone's behavior often because you think you are better than them. That's right out of the dictionary. Not me. I I didn't say that. The dictionary said that. To express a bad opinion of someone's behavior, often because you think you are better than them. And you know what? The Scripture proves out that definition, doesn't it? A critic, full of bias towards others, focusing on the flaws in someone else's life, You see, the opposite of that is true humility. True humility is the only way to deal with what happens inside of you when you see others' faults. See, when you see someone else have a fault, it's easy to be a critic. It's easy to be biased and say something. But true humility says that you've got to look at yourself. Jesus uses... These words, you're guilty of even more. So if I'm really looking at myself, then I see I'm guilty of even more than what I'm being so critical of or what I'm biased towards. And he uses those two words, you're being hypercritical and you're being a hypocrite. Now, none of us want to be called that, right? I don't want you to say, Pastor Mike, you're hypercritical or Pastor Mike, you're a hypocrite. Because I want to respond with my life in a way that's in true humility, where I actually look at my own self, and here it is. I acknowledge and I deal with my own blindness, my own blind spots. We all have them. If you don't believe me, just go sit in your car and look in your mirrors. There is a place you can't see, even with those mirrors. And so you have to look in your blind spot, right? And we all have them. So as we move into this tonight on judgment, say this.
1: I'm a little overwhelmed tonight. It's just been kind of an overwhelming week. Not in a bad way. Um, I've just felt a little emotional today. I don't know if he mentioned but we picked up our car today and so we both drove from Humboldt to Livingston and so I was by myself in the car and I just started crying because God is so good. And as we talk about judgment, it can seem harsh. But understand that God instructs us not to judge because he wants to bless us. And so, if we say things that seem a little harsh, just remember that is to bless it's to bless it's not meant to hurt it's meant to bless and if we can take hold of it (laughs) it'll change us and it'll change everyone in our lives so I want to focus in on Matthew 7 and verse 2 it says for you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use to judge them will be used on you. Many times when we judge people, we're doing it we're kind of we're judging ourselves. Like we judge others about areas in our own life. We project it onto others. So let's put on the glasses that we want others to wear when they look at us. Because we want mercy, we want love, and we want understanding. So let's look at others in that same way. Let's put those glasses. Let's put the glasses of mercy on, the glasses of love, and the glasses of understanding. We all have things that we struggle with, that is seen by others, depending on their perspective and their experience, may be frowned upon. So we must look and speak through God's lens. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, and verses 7 and 9 in the words of Jesus. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for what blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you for you will inherit the earth how blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you what bliss you will experience when your heart is pure for then your eyes will be opened to see more and more of god how joyful you will how joyful you are When you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. In verse 4, it says, Delight comes after waiting or grieving. That's what it means there. Waiting can seem like grieving, though, right? I mean, wow. But when we let the time of waiting be fulfilled, we can see the wise and we have more understanding. We are full of gratefulness that we waited, and we find what we have longed for. Many times, I get impatient. But when I wait, you're like, oh, thank God I waited. Because then you can see that your hindsight is like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, God. So wait for God to do his work. We don't need to stress our mind or our bodies because our bodies even get stressed out. Trying to judge others. It is delightful to wait for God. The comfort will come if you wait. When you want to say those things in judgment, just wait because God's doing something. If we will just be quiet. Verse 5, what blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. Gentleness here is meekness. To be strong, but willing to follow the Father's way. Jesus was strong. He had all the power that God had. But he lived his life on earth in submission to the Father. In the Aramaic, the word here is, and I'm just going to spell it. I'm not going to even try to say it. M-A-K-E-E-K-H-E-H. Anyone here know that? (laughs) The important thing to say here is that it implies being both gentle and flexible. We see this so evidenced in the life of Jesus. He was a strong leader that was gentle and flexible with those who were following him and sinners alike. When he was facing crucifixion, one of his followers cut off a soldier's ear. Remember that? It was Peter. Let's look at it. Luke 22:49 49-51. When the other disciples understood what was happening, they asked the Lord, Look, Lord, shall we fight them with our swords? Just then, one of the disciples swung his sword at the high priest's servant and slashed off his right ear. Jesus stopped the incident from escalating any further by saying, Enough of this. Then he touched the right side of the injured man's head, and the ear grew back. He was healed. So Peter didn't even wait for Jesus to respond. He just, wham, off with the ear. He acted out of his own human judgment, and he became offended for what was happening to his friend Jesus. And he started swinging his sword, or dagger, it said. And don't we do that sometimes? We hear our friends being talked about, and we throw out words of daggers with precision, and we become experts at with slicing words. So here we see that Jesus had been misjudged, yet he responded in gentleness even to his false accusers. Wow. Peter, in his haste and jumping to conclusion, cut off the soldier's ear, and Jesus is ready to heal his accuser and protect Peter for his wrongdoing because it was a crime. What Peter did was a crime. So Jesus was always looking for ways to be gentle and meek, from sinners to his followers, and we should do the same. Looking through the lens of gentleness and meekness, he stopped the crazy with authority but brought healing. He didn't just stop the crazy and leave everyone wounded, like, you guys have been driving me nuts all week. This is my opportunity to put you in your place and then just leave them there. But I've been known to do that. Man, I'm glad to get that off my chest. No. He brought healing and instruction with gentleness. Verse 7, how blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. Mercy refers to being merciful to forgive from the innermost being. The root word for mercy here is womb. So merciful forgiveness with passion. Give birth to forgiveness or mercy. Wow, painful. Yeah, when it's over, you are elated. Now, I'm thinking about childbirth right here. I was uh, 20 years old when I gave birth the first time, and I was very quiet and timid. I mean, I barely talked to anybody. But when I was given birth, I was loud, Amen. I was bossy, I spoke with passion. And I was elated when it was over. <laughs> but, you know, when I read that, that really popped for me. That This is what really stuck out for me the most, out of everything I'm saying tonight. Because unforgiveness is such a prison. And in order to forgive, you have to give mercy. And, you know, when I was given birth, man, my, you know, I was full of action and expression So, may we have expressions of mercy. If we are going to be dramatic, let it be in mercy. If we're going to be extravagant, let it be in mercy. If we're going to exaggerate, (laughs) let it be in mercy. If you do, it will be a quick delivery. Because if you're full of mercy, everything is easier. If you're full of unforgiveness or judgment, everything is hard. Because really, when we won't forgive, we are holding judgment over someone or a situation. James 2.13 says, And remember that judgment is merciless for the one who judges others without mercy. So by showing mercy, you take dominion over judgment. So mercy overrules judgment. Verse 8, what bliss you will experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. Pure here refers to innocence. So an innocent heart believes the best. Think of a child that loves someone. They just love you. They don't care what you look like. They don't care, you know, if your face looks weird. They don't care if your makeup's right. They don't care if your hair's combed. I mean, I was a daddy's girl. I was a sixth child, and I didn't. My dad looked terrible. (laughs) When I look back at it, like. But I didn't even know it. I loved my dad. I wanted to go to town with him. I was so proud of him. I was so proud to walk beside him because I was innocent to all of his flaws. So can we learn to look at people and circumstances through those innocent eyes? If we do, we can be open like God to mercy. To forgiveness, kindness and generosity, etc. How verse nine, how joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. In Psalms one twenty-two, verses eight and nine it says, I will intercede for the sake of my family and friends who dwell there, that they may all live in peace. For the sake of your house, Yahweh our God, I will seek the welfare and prosperity of Jerusalem. If you want to be joyful, you search for peace for those around you and for your nation. So as we walk this journey of becoming saved, because the, the Bible says we are becoming saved, and more like God, we open ourselves up to be more like Jesus as he was submitted to the Father and we let him do the judging. The one who knows all things from the beginning to the end. The one who gave instruction to be merciful and to look at others through the eyes of love. Let's become experts in giving words of love, mercy, healing, and kindness. Become people who elevate. Be open like God is open. Say, I will be one who does not judge.
0: Wow. You did a good job. (laughs) And you know she's not a multitasker and i i put her in a pretty tough spot yesterday cuz we had to we had to prepare for our message at a hotel and we were in the lobby cuz it was too small in our room to to for two of us to be studying so i'm on one side of the of the lobby and she's on the other cuz we didn't want to distract one another and I'm over there and I'm a multitasker. You can all be standing all around me and I can just work and it doesn't bother me. I mean, you can be re- jumping on my head and I can still get my message together. But I knew she needed some quiet and she gets going and here comes a family and they had a little foosball table in the lobby and they're making all this noise. And I'm thinking, poor Liz, you know what? You can multitask, girl. Wow. Good job. Amen. There was some good stuff there, and I hope that you took notes or you go back and, you know, when this becomes a podcast, you can listen to it when it's, uh, you can listen to it on Facebook. But she was being really honest about the birth of our child. Um, I never saw what I saw. May 16th, May 16th, 1983, May 16th, 1983, 38 years ago. She scared me. She would take hold of my, she'd go into contraction and she would, I was there, you know, and I'm the coach. She'd squeeze my hand so hard. (laughs) And I'm, I mean, it was painful. Remember to have mercy. I am. <laughs> Don't if you're going <laughs> to exaggerate. I'm exaggerating on the mercy side. All of a sudden, they uh, now I'm an Airman. Airman Hooper, you've got a telephone call. He ain't taking no phone calls. I mean, I I would have saluted her right then. That girl <laughs> That girl showed me what it was to have mercy. Amen? She was given birth, and she and so, man, what an illustration. Okay. I got the difficult task. She said, say this, I have to say not that. And in our text, we already read to refuse to be a critic. Remember, Matthew 7 said, refuse To be a critic, for you will be judged by the same standard that you use to judge others. Whatever measurement you used on them will be used on you. So don't focus on the flaws of someone else. Man, if I can take that home tonight. Don't focus on the flaws of someone else. She was talking about innocence, and I have, to, I have to come back to that because she talked about when you're young, you don't see the flaws, right? And so we, we have eight grandchildren, and at some point, they start noticing your flaws. <laughs> and Momo, Monique, she, she's five and almost going to be six. So in September, September 10th, she'll turn six. All of the sudden, Momo notices everything about Papa, Papa, your belly is so fat. Papa, your belly button is really weird. Papa, your hair is really gray. Papa, Papa, I'm like, okay, girl, that's enough. What happened to I love you, Papa? I mean, come on. Coco's four. She loves Papa. I mean, Papa could do no wrong, but Momo, oh, man, watch out. Okay, anyway. So don't focus on everybody else's belly button. Amen? So what measurement, what measurement do you use? What measurement do you use? And I I wrote down some here. Beauty. We can judge people based on beauty. We can judge people based on brains. They're not very smart. We can judge people based on brawn. Well, they're not very strong. On their money. Oh, they got a lot. They don't have none or they got some. We can judge people and measure them by their position. Hey, can I just be real with you? We're pastors. And we have pastored. And some of you all were down at Grace um, this week with us. And we've been pastors in a church of 22,000 people. And when you're a pastor in a church of 22,000 people you just about walk on water. And so when people see you they just freak out. I mean, last night we tried to get out of service and I'm telling you, we couldn't we couldn't get to our car. It, we just could not get to our car. Because we have a position. We have a position. Now, I hold several positions, and I don't want you to think that these positions go to my head. I'm I'm a district superintendent. I am the supervisor of that church. I supervise that 22,000-member church. I don't care. I'm just the guy. That's what I do. It doesn't make me anybody special. I'm not any more special than anyone else there except I have a position. Understand? So we don't judge people based on their position or their spirituality. So these are all things. So whatever the standard you used when you said something critical of someone else, now, here it is, you are judged by that same standard. And I'm going to kind of do a little backward thing here in history. Back just a few years, the church used to be so focused on what people were wearing that they ignored the blatant sins that were evident in the body of Christ. Like fear. Thank God that some of these Christian musicians started writing songs about fear is a liar. Fear is not my friend. And and that one girl wrote the song, I broke up with fear. Was that Francesca Ballastelli? However you say her name. Francesca, that's easier. She broke up with fear. She told fear, get out of my life. Amen? Hate. Hate was rampant in the body of Christ, and nobody said anything about it. Uncontrolled anger. Pastors would get so mad at their congregation, and that's a sin. And unbelief. What about when we have unbelief in our life? But we ignored all that and we worried about did was your dress long enough? Was your hair long enough? We we focused on the outward appearance. True humility is what keeps our mouth in check. Think about that. True humility, when you when we want to be a critic and focus on the flaw of someone else, it's humility that keeps our mouth in check. Matthew 7.3 says, we fail to notice the glaring flaws of our own. We always want to say to others, let me show you where you're wrong. The standard that we judge is Christ. We must see Christ in others. Not just a little bit of Christ, but all of Christ. In other words, we must see Christ in the other person. When I look at you, I must see Christ, not a little bit of Christ. When I look at Jerry, I got to see Jesus. Amen? Amen? When I look at Liz, I got to see Jesus. When I look at Brother Donnie, I got to see Jesus. When I see people, I must look at them, and Liz was using the word glasses, I must look at them with the lenses that sees Jesus. And trust, and here it is, and trust that the good and righteous judge will do his job and we do not have to do it for him or help him with it. We don't have to help him. He can handle it. He's really good at it. So Let me take you to Matthew 25, and I think I've got just enough time to to finish this up. And I just want to read you these very powerful words in one of the last parable portions of, of Matthew 25. Verse 31. When the Son of Man appears in his majestic glory with all his angels by his side, He will take his seat on his throne of splendor, and all the nations will be gathered together before him. And like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, there's where he takes care of this, he will separate all the people. The sheep will be put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, you have a special place. In my Father's heart, come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Listen to this very closely. Then the godly will answer. These are the believers. These are the ones that love Jesus right here. The godly will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you, or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Don't you know? When you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. So good. Then... To those on the left, the king will say, leave me. Don't want to hear those words. I never want to hear those words. For you are under the curse of eternal fire that has been destined for the devil and all his demons. For when you saw me hungry, you gave me no food. And when you saw me thirsty, you gave me no drink. I had no place to stay, and you refused to take me in as your guest. When you saw me poorly clothed, you closed your hearts and did not, he- not clothe me. When you saw that I was sick, you did not lift a finger to help me. And when I was in prison, you never came to visit me. And then those on his left will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and not give you food and something to drink? When did we see you homeless or pl- poorly clothed? When did we see you sick and not help you or in prison and not visit you? Then he will answer them. Don't you know when you refused to help one of the least important among these little ones, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you refused to help and honor me. And they will depart from his presence into eternal punishment. But the godly and beloved sheep will enter into eternal punishment. Bless. So don't say, Liz said, say this. I say, don't say, when did we see you hungry and thirsty? When did we see you homeless? When did we see you poorly clothed? When did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? You refuse to help and honor me. That's what the scripture said. So When I look at Liz, I know that you know that Liz is my wife, and we've been married almost 40 years. But for the illustration here for one moment, when I look at Liz, I must see Jesus, whether she's my wife, my competitor, right? My mother-in-law, that, that was good. Love you, Mom. You see, no matter if, if Liz is the one that I saw this morning or yesterday morning outside of Target, with their suitcase leaning against the wall, and they were the same person I saw the previous morning on our walk leaning against the wall at about 7 o'clock in the morning, and all they had was a suitcase, and I, I, I couldn't believe, why would you be standing next to Target in the hot sun with a black suitcase two days in a row at exactly the same time unless you were homeless? No matter who Liz is, I must see Jesus. Do you get that? Because I must treat everyone, capital E, everyone, like Jesus, as Jesus, everyone, everyone. And I heard the best illustration about NFL and and this is the offense and this is the defense. And we're the referees. And the referee never chooses sides. Right? So a real godly referee never chooses sides because as soon as you choose sides, you've missed the boat. Amen? All right. Got to finish. To close this out, Liz used this very phrase don't judge yourself either. You must see yourself as Christ. Don't be so mean on yourself. See Jesus in you. Amen? When we slip into self-judgment, then we are even more cruel to the others that we're judging. Because as Liz said, you're projecting it onto other people. How you're judging yourself, now you're projecting it upon others. Don't say this. I will never do that.
1: Thank you for listening today. May you as a son or daughter of the Father know the true love of Jesus Christ and understand your true identity as a royal member of his family. If you live in Polk, San Jacinto, or Trinity County in Texas, consider joining us live at 8125 U.S. Highway 190 West in Livingston. We have services Sunday at 10 a.m., Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Like us on Facebook, and if you would like to partner with us, check us out online at cotl.live.